welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. Hey guys, I'm Mike, one of the leaders here at the church, and uh, we are in 2019. Like, I still can't believe it's 2019. I was talking to someone this morning, <laughs> and I asked him when, when he was born. He's like, I'm feeling old. And I was like, well, when you were born? He's like, 1998. And I was, like, <laughs> I was like, I graduated high school in 1998. <laughs> he was like, yeah, I'm old. So. But yeah, 2019, guys, uh, we're 19 years into the new century, and uh, I don't know, when I think back over the past 19 years, just think about my faith and, and where I was to where I am now, and, and how God has moved and done different things, and, and a new year always does that for me. I always kind of reflect on not just the previous year, but previous years and years and years. Um, and it actually... Some of you guys are like, oh man, that would discourage me. Uh, it does do that at first, but then it encourages me to, to be, just to be better and to move forward and be more like Jesus this year. So I'm praying that over our church for this year that we would step into more of Jesus. And that's why through this year, um, our word for this year is influencer. So I spent a few months praying to, to the Lord, just asking him and hearing from God on what he wanted for our church this year. Last year we talked about uh, scriptural, spiritual awakening, and this year it's like a year of action. We're talking about uh, influencers. So we'll take this word throughout the entire year, and we'll take it through this entire series as we go through our DNA. Um, so just to give you a little glimpse and picture into this year, we'll go through the book of Joshua at the end of the year, we'll go through the book of Ruth next month, we'll go through uh, Luke, we're going to go through uh, a series in the summer called... Uh, I can't remember what I called it, but um, it's about the practice of presence and, and just having more of Jesus and learning how to, how to just be present with Jesus in your everyday life. So we'll go through that in the summer. And all, everything that's tied, uh, the word that's tied throughout all these series is that word influencer. So um, last week we talked about kingdom influencer. This week we're talking about disciple influencer. And the reason we're going Kingdom Disciple in next week's society and church is because that's our DNA. So let me give you a little refresh on that for those of you who weren't here last week, and then those of you who just need a refresh. Uh, so uh, do you have that graphic, the Kingdom Disciple Society Church graphic? Is that a no? I just have an open mouth. <laughs> is that a no? Okay, so I'll just, I'll just talk to you about it. It should be in last week's if if you can pull that up. So our DNA is this, uh, it's kingdom, like picture a big circle, and then you have Disciple Society Church as smaller circles latched onto that. Kingdom is the lens through which we see everything uh, because we have a king, and that king is Jesus. And the only reason we have a kingdom is because we have a king, King Jesus. So we wanna, everything in our church operates through this lens. Jesus, when he came and started his ministry, he didn't start with the church, he started with the kingdom. And he came preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He came preaching the kingdom of heaven. 
He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, not repent for the church is at hand, right? So we say here that if you start with the kingdom, you're going to get the church. But if you start with the church, you may miss the kingdom. Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 starts with the kingdom. Matthew chapter 16 is where we see the church. And like I said last week, the book of Acts is often viewed as, as a book on the church, but it's the church in the context of the kingdom because the book of Acts has bookends. It starts with Jesus teaching the disciples for 40 days on the kingdom before he ascends into heaven, and it ends with the apostle Paul preaching the gospel of the kingdom in Rome. So those are the bookends to the book of Acts. So we want to start with the kingdom of heaven. The problem is most of us have no idea what that is or what that means. I, when, when I started going to church and, and learning things about Jesus, I didn't learn about the kingdom of God at all. Um, I didn't learn about the kingdom of God until I went to seminary. And even then, it was like sporadic. So last week, I tried to help you discover the kingdom of God. A simple definition is God's rule and reign, wherever the will of God is being lived out. So that's the definition we're going to use for the kingdom. So think of that when we say kingdom of heaven. That's what we live in. Wherever God's will is being lived out in your life, in your environments, wherever his rule and reign is. And we get to usher that in, right? We get to usher that in as disciples of the king, as kingdom citizens. So that's how we're talking about disciple influencer today. Uh, so, so that was a quick rundown. But let's go into disciple. Let's talk about discipleship. We use these words a lot. If you're in church, you hear these words. If, if you're outside of church, you think that's just a cult word, because I don't know where, what other context you'd hear the word disciple in. Um, it just sounds very cultish. But really, it just means student. Like, it means someone who's following somebody else. So what is discipleship? This is how we define it here at Trinity Life Church. This is our definition of it. It's a simple definition. It's learning to hear, trust, and obey the voice of God. Here's the reason we define it that way. And that's because if you've grown up in church or been around Christianity for a while, discipleship may have looked like a, um, a course. You go through this Bible study course, and now you're a disciple of Jesus, or you're more like Jesus. You, you memorize scripture, and now you're, you're a disciple of Jesus. Uh, you... Um, you just have cognitive knowledge about, about Jesus and, and the Bible, and now you're a disciple of Jesus. And we've tried to say, well, no, um, that's not exactly right. Now, those things, are, those things are good, but it's missing something. It's missing a relationship, for one, but two, it's missing just the voice of God, hearing, trusting, and obeying the voice of Jesus. That's how we follow Jesus. You can have all the biblical knowledge in the world, and I know people like this who know this book, who wouldn't call themselves Christians, followers of Jesus, but who know this book better than you do, but does that make them a disciple of Jesus? Well, no, because they're not hearing the voice of God. And that's why this definition is so important, because it takes us from a course, it takes us from cognitive knowledge, it takes us from something that is not necessarily transformative and makes it transformative. Because we're following, if we're hearing the voice of God, trusting it and obeying it, that means we're actually following Jesus. We're not just studying a book. Does that make sense? So it puts us in the context of relationship. I, um, 
So before I get to this, what is a disciple? It's just coming off the definition. Someone who hears the voice of God, trusts the voice of God, and obeys the voice of God. So around Trinity Life, you'll hear us say that a lot. Hear, trust, obey. All of our environments, which I'll go over later, are structured over this. And this flows out of this KDSC DNA, Kingdom Disciple Society Church, because we are disciples of a king, and we live as kingdom citizens who engage society, and out of that arises the church. So I, let's, let's talk a little bit about what, what the Bible is for and, and how we hear the voice of God. So there's different ways to hear the voice of God, and depending on what tradition you grew up in. I grew up in a tradition that said, this is the only way you hear the voice of God in this book, in this Bible. And I would say now that this is the most reliable way you hear God's voice. But it's not the only way. It's not the only way we hear the voice of God. Because one, you're sitting there right now listening to me. So you're assuming I'm gonna give you something from God, right? So we hear the voice of God through other people. If you don't believe that, you should leave right now. Don't, no, don't leave. Come back, come back. Uh, but because you're assuming that I'm gonna, and even though I'm, I'm teaching out of this, right, I'm not just reading it to you, I'm interpreting it for you, right? So um, we, we, hear, we hear the voice of God through other people, through encouragement, through exhortation, through rebuke, through people building us up, right? That's how we can hear the voice of God too. This Bible also says that we hear the voice of God through nature. We can see God in nature. Um, now, don't, don't freak out on me. We're not pantheists here. Um, but Romans talks about this. We can know that there's a God through nature, right? We hear God, we can hear God's voice through music. That's why we're preparing us to do that as we're singing. We can hear God's voice through, through these lyrics that, that we're singing over us, that we're hearing sung. Uh, art, music, um, there's, there's so many other ways that, that we can go where we hear the voice of God. Circumstances. Now, think about this. Most of you sitting there, the primary way you hear God's voice is not through this book in my hand, this Bible. It's actually probably through circumstances. And think about that in your life. A lot of, I, and, and this is just, this is kind of raw, base research that, that I've just seen through experience. Most people, when they talk to me, they, they, they talk about signs in their life. Oh, well, I got fired from my job, so God must want me to have a new job. I'm like, no, maybe you're just lazy. Uh, maybe you're just doing a bad job. Uh, you know, I, I had a friend who, who said he was looking for a new car. So, and these are like extreme examples, but he, he was looking for a new car, and, and he's like, if I go to the car dealership and they have this car that I want for this price, then I know it's a sign from God for me to get this. <laughs> I'm like, come on, man. Like, that's not, uh, that's not the best way to, to do things. Uh, and, and we do that. We think things are signs. And, and maybe they're not. Maybe they are. But, and we can hear God's voice through circumstances, but oftentimes it's the least reliable way for us to do so. Because we're not grounded in this book. You only can interpret those circumstances if you know who's orchestrating those circumstances, if you know the God who's doing that. And so a lot of times uh, you'll, you'll hear people say things that are signs that'll contradict this book. 
well, you know that's not from God. So they're hearing the voice of God wrong. And through experience and a lot of times through hindsight, you can see, oh, that was the Lord working. That was the Lord moving. Um, but I think in the moment, so many of us just interpret the voice of God through circumstances without going to this book. So this is our foundation, the Bible, to hear God's voice because we have to know our king. Right? We have to know who Jesus is. We have to know who the Father is. We have to know how the Spirit works in our lives. And this is how we know that. So if you want to hear the voice of God, if you want to learn to hear the voice of God, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus and you want to be a follower of Jesus, you have to know this book. This is your most important thing right here. Okay? But so many of us just leave this Bible right there. And we think by osmosis, it's just going to come into our hearts by people talking around us. So if you want to be a disciple of Jesus this morning, pick, it, pick this up and read it. Here's the bottom line from this morning before we go into this book. A kingdom disciple is someone who hears, trusts, and obeys the voice of God. We're going to take that through the entire sermon. A kingdom disciple is someone who hears, trusts, and obeys the voice of God. So let's see what Jesus is saying in John chapter 10 here. He says here, truly, truly, whenever you see that in the scriptures, it should catch your attention. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. So Jesus has seven, Jesus has seven I am statements in the book of John, in the gospel of John. He says, I am the bread of life. I am... See if I can remember these. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the true vine. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the door of the sheep. And, and he has, and, and this one has two. This passage in John 10 has two of these. I am the door of the sheep, and I am the good shepherd. And so he's painting us a picture here of sheep in a fence, in a cage, right? And in a pen, and a thief coming around and climbing in another way climbing over the fence instead of going through the gate. And Jesus, when he says these statements, I am the bread of life, or I am the true vine, he's implying that there's a bread of something else. So when he says, I'm the bread of life, there's not just, just white bread. There's sourdough, there's rye, there's wheat, there's honey wheat, there's marble rye, there's all those things, right? He's saying, I'm the bread of life. There's also a bread of death. There's a bread of destruction. There's a bread of shame. There's a bread of fear. There's a bread of guilt. And he says, I'm the bread of life. I came to give you that. What bread are you eating this morning? That's the implication. Are you eating the bread of shame? Or are you eating the bread of life? When Jesus says, I'm the true vine, he's implying that there's actually a false vine. Which vine are you attached to? Are you attached to the true vine? That means you're a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus. Or are you attached to the false vine or a false vine? When he says, when he says here that I'm the good shepherd later on in this passage, well, that means there is an evil shepherd, right? There's a good shepherd. That means there's someone who's not a good shepherd. And he points that person out. It's a stranger. It's someone who climbs in from the other way and seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. Someone who, who seeks to distract and to lead you away to the wolves, he'll say later on in John 10. 
someone who, who, who speaks and you hear a voice and you follow that to destruction or to guilt or to condemnation or to shame. All right, so here he says, that person is a thief and a robber. What are they trying to steal? What is that person trying to steal from us? Well, just think about your life. How many of you feel like your joy gets stolen from circumstances? How many of you feel like your peace gets stolen or ripped away from you or your hope? Like, how many of you just struggle with having hope because someone has come in and stolen it and that thief and robber has, has taken your, your sight and your vision and redirected it off of Jesus, where he's seated at the right hand of the Father, according to Colossians 3, and put it onto the stranger. All right, that's the picture he's giving us here. He says, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, verse 3, the gatekeeper opens. And because of this, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, so they trust him, and he leads them out. They obey him. That's where we get hear, trust, obey. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep. There's trust. Guys, he calls them by name. He calls you by name. He knows you personally. He says, Matt, come follow me. Justin, come follow me. Missy, come follow me. All right, he says, Alexa, come follow me. Victoria, come follow me. He says, Laura, come follow me. And he calls us by name. Like, how amazing is that? That's pretty amazing, right? That he knows you, the God of the universe, who, who um, has so many things going on, he knows you by name. People are always shocked when I remember their names. <laughs> um, I mean, right? Like, I met someone... Uh, that I probably haven't seen in a year, and I remembered their name and a whole bunch of stuff about them, and they were shocked. And I was like, well, I just cared about, I mean, and, and like, I mean, I know, what, a few hundred people? Like, this, this per, uh, we're talking about Jesus here. Like, everybody in the world in all existence, and he knows you. Everything about you, even better than you know yourself. And he calls you by name to follow him. We hear, the sheep hear his voice, he calls his own sheep, and he leads them out. And when he's brought out all his own, he goes before them. That's so significant, guys. He goes before them. He doesn't say, all right, I'm going to open the door wide open, and you guys just run and do your thing. He goes before them, and he shows us. He shows us what to do. He, Jesus is our model. He's the model for hearing the Father's voice and obeying it. Jesus says in the Gospels, I only do what the Father tells me to do. Can you say that? I only do what the Father tells me to do. Wow, like, that's the Spirit-filled life. And he shows us what it looks like to fully live in the Spirit, and he models that for us in spiritual gifts, in following Jesus, and accomplishing the Father, I mean, following the Father, and accomplishing the Father's will, and being willing and obedient. Guys, if we could just start there, that'd be pretty good. If you could just start with your uh, discipleship, with hearing, trusting, obeying, with willingness to hear, trust, and obey, that would be amazing, right? So many of us are just not even willing we hear God say something to us, we're like, no, 
I would never do that. I'm not doing that. Let's just start with willingness and then let the Lord lead us into obedience. Isaiah says, if we are willing and we're obedient, we shall eat of the goodness of the land. The land in the Old Testament represents God's presence and his rest. We'll taste God's goodness. We'll know his presence, his rest, his peace. I know you want that this morning. You want his presence and his rest and his peace, so be willing and obedient to follow his voice. And he says the sheep follow him in verse 4, for they know his voice. Where is, where is Jesus leading? Where is the good shepherd leading the sheep? Well, he's leading us out of something and into something else, right? So what is he leading us out of? He's leading us out of a cage. He's leading us out of a pen. He's leading you to freedom, to open pastures. This is the, the psalmist picked this up really well. He's leading us to open pastures. And he says, there's only one door. There's only one gate to freedom. You can only get there one way. Uh, the other way is, is, is not the way. There's the strangers there, the, the thief and the robbers there. He says, there's only one door. I am that door. There's only one good shepherd. Jesus says, I am that shepherd. And you have to come out this way. And it's a tight door. It's a, it's a very narrow way, he says and in other passages. But when you find it, you're going to find life. And he says later, you're going to find it abundantly. So a disciple is someone who hears the voice of the good shepherd, who trusts that voice, who knows it because Jesus calls us by name, and then who follows that voice. So here at Trinity Life, how do we help you do that? Why does that matter for, for us? And how do we help you learn to recognize the voice of God. So, and here's the thing, guys. Um, you can have all the cognitive knowledge you want. If it doesn't lead to transformation, then it leads you nowhere, right? There's um, actually, uh, I hate talking about this because I always sound self, self-serving, but um, I was talking to someone this week who's known me for six years, and she didn't realize that um, I had done this. So uh, I've, I've written a book, and it's, it's been published now since we moved here, I guess. Um, and it's basically, it's just my dissertation. My dissertation published, so it's super academic. Um, but, so I don't encourage you to go read it and buy it, um, unless you need something to put you to sleep at night. Uh, because it's really academic, has tons of footnotes and all those things, because when we moved here, and, and uh, a, a publisher contacted me to publish it. I didn't have time to, I was like, we're here to do this thing, we're here to start a church, I didn't have time to go into all that. So I was just like, will you publish as is? And they said, yeah. So, um, but someone's buying it, besides my dad, I think, because I get, I get like, I don't know, 30 books of royalty checks a year. So, <laughs> it's like, yeah, what does that buy you in Toronto? I don't, I don't know. I advise you like one meal. So, um, but, uh, but it's all about this concept. It's all about this scripture. It's, it's called Illumination and Interpretation because when we read this book, so many of us read it for information, not transformation. 
The goal of this book, this Bible here, the Word of God, when you open this, you should expect to have an encounter with the Spirit of God, the Fa God the Father, and Jesus. You should expect to experience Trinity life when you open this book because this is a guaranteed place of encountering the Spirit because the goal of this book is to transform you. And if you just have cognitive knowledge of this, then something misfired here. And it wasn't this book, it was probably you that got in the way, your sin, your desires, your idols, those things. So uh, cognitive knowledge isn't bad, but it always has to lead to transformative knowledge. And, and so that's what makes you a disciple of Jesus. Not, not something up here in your mind, but something that is holistic your mind affecting your heart, affecting your attitude, affecting every part of your life. And so when you step back and you look at your life, are you the same place here that you are at work? I mean, are you the same person here that you are at work? Are you the same person at work that you are at home? Are you the same person in your marriage that you are with your extended family? Are you the same person with your kids than you are with other people's kids? Are you the same person in your friendships than you are with your siblings? Like, where? Like, we have so many disconnects in our life, but if we're truly followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus, those will look a lot more similar than they will disparate, okay? So, um, because transformation is full, and it's gonna push you forward in all those environments to live uh, as Jesus does in, uh, in the Gospels here as we see him. So, at here at Trinity Life, how do we help you hear God? One, uh, alpha. Alpha's for, for those who are seeking, for those who are just trying to figure out faith, for those who are, um, uh, yeah, just trying to see who Jesus is. And there, this is an environment where questions can happen, where, where people can discover Jesus together, where, where they can just ask any question and, and talk without uh, fear of condemnation. It's a judgment-free space. Uh, Sunday morning is also a place. Now, Sunday morning, a lot of it's sitting down, standing, singing, sitting, whatever. This doesn't happen on Sunday morning at, uh, as much as why we have all the other environments, but this is the main time where we teach from, from this book in a corporate environment where we see the body of Christ together. And so Sunday morning, we're trying to help you hear God's voice, trust God's voice, and obey God's voice. We're trying to help you learn how to recognize the voice of God. Uh, body life groups. These are our small groups that meet during the week. This is probably our number one environment where we want to teach you how to hear, trust, and obey. And that's because our, our small groups, our body life groups are built on, they're, they're built off of the sermon every week. But you know a lot of small groups, if you've been in church for a while, they do, they do sermon-based small groups, but they do it after the sermon. So like this week coming up, you talk about the sermon that happened today. Um, but oftentimes it's just a regurgitation of what you heard on Sunday morning. What we do is we do pre-sermon small groups. So um, this week, actually, in your body life groups, you will actually talk about the passage that I'll be preaching on next week. And what we're trying to do there is we're all reading the Bible together. That's the goal. Uh, in a BLG, you're all supposed to be reading the Bible. You're all supposed to be trying to hear God's voice from the scriptures yourself, and then each group is not designed with a leader, it's designed with a facilitator, who, who you come and you just hear God's voice together and you talk about the passage and, 
There's, there's prayer, sometimes there's Bible studies, sometimes there's teaching, but what it is is it's an environment for spiritual gifts to thrive and, to, and for you to use that gift. It's not a mini version of this environment. It's not supposed to be that, where you go and you hear someone just speak about the passage. Um, we want to empower you in your own gifts. So our BLGs are centered around spiritual gifts, around hearing the voice of God, and empowering you to do that. Do you realize I don't make you a disciple of Jesus? The Spirit of God does. You have the power to hear, trust, and obey the voice of God yourself. If you're in here this morning and you expected me to do that for you, then you missed what Jesus was trying to bring us. He wasn't trying to bring you a, a person to do that for you. He's trying to give you a person maybe to equip you to do that on your own. But you're supposed to be able to do that, and we want to help you do that. Uh, so body life groups are for that. Our body life collectives, we have those three, four times a year. That's when all of our small groups come together for night of prayer, worship, celebration. Man, if you missed the Body Life Collective this past Wednesday, you missed a highly significant time in our church. There are always really significant times in our church, and they're markers for us. I can look back at, at collectives and say, man, do you remember what God did there and how that pushed us forward? That happened again this Wednesday, and, and I'm, I, we can't replicate it, but it was just someone texted me, and if you know this person, you'll know who it is. Someone texted me the next day and was like, that was insane. Like, I can't believe that just happened. Like, it was insane that that, that happened Wednesday night. Like, can you believe it? Like, and, and she was like, it was like she woke up that morning. She was like, I can't, I can't believe it. Like, God just moves so amazingly. Um, and, and it was just so cool to see everybody step forward. And, and what, did, what did we all do that night? Adam led us to hear God's voice, trust it, and obey it, right? Because we bound some things and we loose some things, and, and, we, ha- and we learn that we have access because we have the keys to the kingdom, and we have trust and, and all these things, and healing happened that night, and restoration and freedom and forgiveness and, and uh, relationships that were broken uh, were made whole that night. Uh, it was so beautiful and so amazing, and... We should probably have them more than three times a year. <laughs> yeah. uh, but that's, that's a body life collective. Afterwards, I was like, how do we get that into here on Sunday mornings? Uh, how do we get more of that here? Uh, because, yeah, it was just so rich and so beautiful. Um, the Spirit of God was just there among us. So, uh, next generation. This, this involves our next generation ministries, which... That's a word I, we don't normally use. I just kind of made up. Um, why didn't make it up, you know? But <laughs> next, next generation, it refers to Kid City and, and our youth stuff. So Kid City is structured around teaching our kids how to hear, trust, and obey. Can you imagine if you were a child and you learned that way back then and you didn't have to re-engineer your faith like now as an adult where you're like, oh, yeah. No one taught me that this was about hearing the voice of God. They just taught me I needed to read my Bible and memorize scripture. Well, memorizing scripture isn't bad, but if you're not meditating on it and hiding that word in your heart so that you might not sin against God and it's not transforming you, then what's the point? Like, 
so we, when we teach our kids, we teach them to hear God's voice through the scriptures and to trust God's voice and to obey God's voice. We're making disciples of Christ through that. And same thing in, in our youth ministries, when we're reaching out, when, we're, when we have youth, youth things, youth environments here, um, we're teaching them how to hear, trust, and obey the next generation uh, so that they can hopefully lead us in that one day. So that's how we want to help you to hear God's voice at Trinity Life. Let's go back to this, this passage because Jesus is talking about his voice here, but then he says there's actually other voices. He says in verse 5, a stranger they will not follow, but they'll flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Is that true for you? If you are a disciple of Jesus, Jesus is talking to you here. If you're a sheep here, he says, if you hear a stranger's voice, you won't follow it. Actually, it's not, this, it's not just that you won't follow it. You will run as fast as you can the other direction away from it. You will flee from that voice because you don't recognize it. You don't recognize whose voice that is. The problem is, so many of us are accustomed to the stranger's voice or to a stranger's voice. And we hear that voice and we think it's the voice of Jesus. Because this, this is a question I get all the time when, when I'm talking about hearing God's voice. They're like, well, how do you know that's God? Well, you have to know God from this book. Right? But we have so much in our culture that distracts us, that pushes us away, that, that teaches us other things. We have so many strangers hopping into that pen in that cage saying, stay in that cage. Like, you're, you're safe here. You're, you're comfortable here. You have everything you need in this cage. You don't want to be out there in the open. You don't want to be free out there. That's a really small door. You can't fit through that door. These are all the voices of strangers. Stay in the pen. Stay here. Don't, you don't need to follow him. He's, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's going to lead you into death. The wolves are out there, right? Not even realizing the wolves have climbed into the pen with us. And we struggle so much. You struggle so much. Uh, Jesus says that, he says that his yoke is easy. He says, come to me, you who are heavy laden. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When you are yoked to me... <laughs> Let me explain that real quick, yoke. So uh, that's a funny word, right? Uh, when he says his yoke is easy, he's not talking about egg yolk. He's not like, it's over easy, or like sunny side up. He's talking, he's like, it's, it's, it's this agrarian picture, uh, farming of oxen who are yoked together. They have this yoke on them that binds them together so that when you farm something and when you're tilling the ground, when you're trying to, to create a straight path, you have two, two oxen, and, and they're going in the same straight line so that they're not off, right? Because they're yoked together around, around the shoulders, and, and they're going together in the same direction at the same time, the same pace, forward. And Jesus says, when there's you and there's me yoked together, that means your yoke is easy and your burden is light. What are you yoked to this morning? Is your, does your burden feel light this morning? Does your burden feel easy? 
If it doesn't, then you're yoked to something else. Your allegiance is to something else. You're not yoked to Jesus. You're yoked to your sin. You're yoked to an idol. You're yoked to your lust. You're yoked to your greed. You're yoked to whatever it is. You're yoked to fear. You're yoked to condemnation and shame and guilt and dejection and uh, strife. You're not yoked to Jesus. Because he says if you're yoked to him, your burden is going to be light and your yoke is going to be easy. If that's not true for you this morning, then you're not yoked to Jesus. You need a reorientation in your life. You need a recommitment to Jesus. You need to say, what is stopping this? And you need to replace, replace uh, uh, whatever that is with, with Jesus. I have... Um, I have a friend who uh, I was talking to last year, and and this person, I uh, was just going through a a really rough a really rough time, and for about forty five minutes I was talking to this person, and I didn't say a word, which I know is shocking but I didn't say a word, I just listened. And they just shared with me all their struggles. They shared with me all their doubts. They shared with me. And guys, this person is uh, one of the strongest Christians that I know. This person has influenced my life and made me more like Jesus than almost anybody else I know. And... And I was talking to them, and they're just sharing, uh, like, really rough stuff, like the sin that they're dealing with and, and, and uh, their marriage problems and the problem with kids and work problems and all these things. And it was just like this person just threw it all up. And, and that's what it felt like. It felt like throw up, like this person just throwing it all up, like all this stuff. And as I'm sitting there listening to it, I was like, God, what do I say to this person? I love this person so much. What do I say to them? What do I, how do I, what am I supposed to do here? Like, I, don't, I was like, I don't even know who this is. Like, I don't even recognize this person, this voice. It doesn't even seem like the same person. They're just, for 45 minutes, just, and it was just like dark and deep and raw. And this person told me they gave me the edited version. And this person's like cursing through it and saying all this stuff. and. And, and I was like, man, that's the edited version. That's crazy. Um, and my heart was so heavy, and I was so, like, yeah, I was just actually, like, for those 45 minutes, I just felt, like, beat down, beat down, beat down, and, and discouraged. And I was asking God, what do I say? What do I say? And this person finished and was like, well, there it is. That's, that's where my life is right now. And I said, you're pathetic. A son of God does not talk like that. This person is in the mock, and they're in the pen, and they're with the pigs, and they're eating crap with the pigs. And I said, a son of God doesn't talk like that. I said, you are not in the mud. 
you are seated with Christ in the heavenlies. He said, you are not that sin. Your identity is in Christ. He said, that is not your destiny. You are a minister of reconciliation. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Don't forget that. You're a strong and mighty warrior. And I was like, you're cowering in this cave like Gideon, and you're to be called out of that, and you're to be a rescuer and a redeemer in the name of Jesus. Jesus is your model, and you're following the stranger's voice. You're distracted by your circumstances. You are, are being led to the wolves, and you don't even realize it. Lift up your eyes. A son of God doesn't say things like that. You're a disciple. And you have been restored and redeemed and justified and sanctified and glorified in the name of Jesus. By then, we were both crying. And this is how a disciple of Jesus responds to that. He said, thank you. No one's ever talked to me like that before. Thank you for reminding me of who I am in Christ Jesus. That day, he changed everything in his life. I was like, you need a fundamental reordering of your desires, of your life. You need to quit your job. And he said, I will give up anything for the kingdom, for the king. And he did all those things. Is that how much the king is worth to you? We talked about this last week. Is the king worth that much to you? Well, you can see your life just going down, and you're following the stranger, and you'll say, I am willing to give up anything for the king. That very day, he did that. And now, he's, he's seeing restoration in all those areas of his life, because he was willing to give up everything for the king. He didn't look at it as a loss, as a sacrifice, because he looked at the surpassing greatness and value of the king as worth more than anything. Everything else pales in comparison to the king. Everything else. Everything else looks dimmer. Everything else looks less colorful. Everything else looks a little faded when Jesus shows up because of his glory and his magnificence, because he was willing and obedient to lay it all down for you. And he's calling you out by name this morning to be a disciple, a follower of him. Not to, show, not to, not to anything that he hasn't done, but to what he's already done for us. Because remember, he went through that first and he led us out. And he led us out into freedom. So follow him this morning. If you're a disciple of Jesus, pursue him, run after him. If, if you don't consider yourself a follower of Jesus this morning, that's what he's offering you. He's offering you the abundant life. He's offering you a life that is of a different quality as he says later in this passage, a different quality, the abundant life. Pursue that this morning in the name of Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you for the resurrection. Thank you that you were willing and obedient to the point of death, that nothing was going to stand in your way, that for the joy that was set before you, you endured the cross, despising its shame, and now you're seated at the right hand of the Father. And that's where we are if we're in you. You are our life. That's what Paul says. You are our life. 
You are my life, Jesus. You are my everything. And I would do anything for you. I would go anywhere for you. Give us that willingness to follow you, to take up our cross daily, to welcome suffering for righteousness' sake, to forsake the comfort of a pen for the freedom of the pasture. Teach us your voice, Jesus. Help us to hear you during this time as we respond. Lord Jesus, open our ears and open our hearts and open our minds that we would follow you. I pray that today that those who are in here who do not know you would recognize for the first time that you are calling them by name out of that pen into the pasture. And that today would be the day of salvation for them. For salvation is closer to us today than when we first believed. For the rest of us, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ today. Thank you for showing us how to do that and giving us that power in the Spirit. Lead us now as we respond to you, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.